Fantastic, outstanding, incredible. Thanks to the blockbuster movies today and the thrilling rides that we have in amusement parks and Madison Avenue ad campaigns, we have come to expect that if life isn't sensational, then something must be wrong. If we are not careful, we can apply those expectations to our spiritual journey and fail to see the hand of God in the ordinary events of life. Even more tragic, we, we fail to recognize his loving care for us in the midst of trials that we all go through. Let's face it, life typically isn't fantastic. Usually life is ordinary, and sometimes it is painful. And that doesn't mean that we don't have enough faith in God. It doesn't mean that, that uh, for some reason uh, we misunderstood God's plan for our life or anything like that. But we need to realize that trials and sometimes even pain is a part of the process that God uses to build us so that we become more like Christ and we depend more upon him. And so those are the times we need in order to grow and to learn. That is when we have the greatest opportunity to encounter the risen Christ if we have eyes to see. Well, today we are going to look at Luke chapter 24, and the chapter opens by telling us how the women went to the tomb on that first day of the week after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They went there to the tomb of where Jesus had been buried, and when they got there, they found that the tomb was empty. And so then Peter runs to the tomb, and he too finds that the tomb is empty. And then, of course, there was a lot of activities, a lot of, a lot of questioning, a lot of wondering what had happened to the body of Jesus. And then as the day progresses, we find a couple of disciples who were not numbered with the 12 famous disciples. You see, sometimes we hear about the disciples, and the only ones we think about are the 12 but there were many other disciples, people who were followers of Jesus. And so there were these other two disciples, and they are leaving Jerusalem, and they are heading home to a town called Emmaus. We're going to read about these two guys this morning, and our text is found in chapter 24. I'm going to quickly read down through this, and then we're going to look at three different things this morning three descriptive points about this narrative. And so it begins in verse 13 of chapter 24, down through verse 35. Now behold, two, men, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have one with another as you walk and are sad? 
And then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God, and all the people, and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow to hear, uh, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all of the scriptures the saying things concerning himself. And then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, and while he opened the scripture to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those, who were, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your scriptures. I thank you for the account of what happened that day and how we can look at these events and know that for certain they happened and that Jesus is alive. He came out of the grave bodily and that he is today at your right hand. Father, I pray that as we study these verses that you would speak to our hearts. Father, we would be changed as a result of being here today and that if we've never seen Jesus before, we would see him today in such a way that we would come to know him as our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for salvation that we have through your son, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. So what's going on in this story? What is this all about? Why is it, why is it here in this passage in the Bible, and what is it teaching us? Well, I'd like to begin by giving you a simple des de descriptive three-point outline to summarize these three moves in the narrative. The first thing that we're going to look at this morning is mystification. And the second thing is illumination. And the third thing will be realization. 
So let's talk about these three headings, and then I want to give you a couple of points of application that, that I think convey why this particular resurrection appearance occurred and why it is included in Luke's gospel. So the first thing that we see is mystification. We see that in verses 13 to 24. And of course, as we read that there in verse 13, we found that they're traveling back to Emmaus. They're talking of all the things that had happened in 14. They were, while they were talking together, Jesus himself drew near to them, but their eyes were restrained so they couldn't, they didn't know him. And I just, I love um, to, to read about how uh, Jesus' humor, really, as we're going through. Because they're, they're all sad, and they're all worked up, and, they're, and they don't know it's Jesus. And he said, what's the matter, guys? What's going on? Why are you so sad? And, and then they're like, are you the only stranger here? Are you the only one that don't have a clue about what happened? They're talking to Jesus, the one who was crucified, the one who was dead for three days, the one who is alive, and he said, what things? What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, it, just, it is just amazing. So these two disciples are, are unquestionably mystified by the events that had transpired in Jerusalem over these last several days. They, they, are, they are especially perplexed about Jesus. I mean, they, they, they weren't expecting Jesus to be crucified. They, they didn't at all understand the empty tomb. None of this stuff made sense to them. They are totally mystified by these events. And so as they were talking about Jesus, Jesus himself appears to them. So they didn't recognize him. And, and verse 16 says there, their eyes were restrained. Now, now the fact that their eyes were restrained... Restrained is a passive verb tense. So, in other words, something or someone else was acting upon them, acting in such a way that they were unable to see. That is the active passive uh, uh, verb tense that is here. Theologians call this a divine passive verb tense because it is God himself who kept them from being able to see who Jesus was. Kind of cool, isn't it? I mean, it's, just a, it it's, it's just like Jesus to do something like this. And so the Lord, the Lord has a reason for this, and we're going to see what it is. But first we need to remember that if we ever do see the Lord, it will be because God opened our eyes to see him. And that includes in our, I'm talking about the area of our salvation. God moves upon us so that we can see and understand what his son did for us on the cross of Calvary. Because otherwise we are blind because of our sin. And we don't see those things. And there's something inside of us that, that, that yearns for something more than what we have in this life. And, and we search for it in many different areas. But it is as God opens our eyes that we can see Jesus. And so this is why that we say that salvation is by grace. 
by God's amazing grace because I am dead in trespasses and sin. And what does a dead person see? They see nothing. They are dead. Ephesians 2, 1 tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And I need to have my eyes opened to be able to see Christ. So the Christian sayings, I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. In other words, God opened my eyes to see Jesus Christ, and that is amazing grace. So Jesus comes upon these two disciples, and they, they don't know it's him, and so he asks, why the long face? And, and he's speaking metaphorically, why, why are you so sad? And, and, and the disciples whose name was, was um, Cleopas said, don't you know? Don't you know what's been going on in Jerusalem? Jesus of Nazareth, the mighty prophet, the one that we thought was to redeem us, he's crucified. Now, these two disciples, as I said, they were, they were mystified because they thought that Jesus was only a political messiah. Someone who would redeem them or save them, in other words, from the Roman oppression that was going on during their day. So they were not thinking of Jesus as saving them from their sins. They were thinking of Jesus as saving them from the political garbage of their day. So they were totally mystified. And, and they add to that, they, were, they also learned that the tomb is empty. And that some angels said that Jesus was alive. Who ever heard of that? Who, whoever went out to the grave to put flowers on somebody's grave and see the grove, grave open, and an angel sitting there saying, they're not here, they're alive. And saying, no, 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 I, I saw them put him in the ground. He was dead. And so we can understand why they are mystified. Even though Jesus had been teaching his disciples that he was going to die, and they, they totally were, were blinded by all of the stuff of the Old Testament had taught them, they just, didn't, they just didn't understand. They were mystified. None of it made any sense to them at all. And so this leads to our second word, and that is illumination. Illumination. So Jesus takes the two disciples from mystification by being mystified and not understanding any of this to illumination. He helps them, in other words, to see that Jesus was supposed to die. He helps them to understand the scriptures. And so verse, verse 27 then uh, of our text here, uh, it, it says, And beginning at Moses and all of the prophets expounding to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So put another way, Jesus showed them how the entire Bible points to him. He takes them back to the Old Testament, and he begins to walk them through that, because you remember, they didn't have the New Testament at that time. They didn't have the writings of Paul at this time. They didn't have, they didn't have the Gospels even at this time. All they had was the Old Testament the thing that they had grown up with, the thing that they had been taught all of their life. So he takes them back to the Old Testament, and he walks them through and shows them himself. Wouldn't you love to have been there to hear that seven-mile Sunday school lesson? I mean, who could teach 
Sunday school any better than Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that must have been some kind of lesson on that day. And I've said before, but let me just say it again, that the Bible is a hymn book, an H-I-M-B-O-O-K, a hymn book. It's a, it's a book all about him, the Lord Jesus Christ. So it contains a total of 66 books from Genesis to Revelation, composed by more than 40 different authors, written over a period of 1,500 years in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Yet one major, one major theme runs through the entire Bible. How sinful men, how sinful man is reconciled to a holy God through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It's all about him. It's all about how we are lost in our sin and there is no hope. I mean, when you look at the Old Testament and you read all of the stories of the sacrifices and the animals that were slain and, and, the, and, and the Passover and the blood on the door, and everything is pointing to Jesus Christ and how we need a Savior. It is a battle through the whole thing that is going on between Satan and God. And Satan is doing everything he can to crush Jesus Christ and to keep him from being born. And so people are killed. Brothers are fighting against brothers. People are eating stuff that they shouldn't eat. And all kinds of things are happening. And it's all about Jesus going to the cross. And Satan does not want that to happen. Satan doesn't want you today to hear that Jesus Christ died for your sins. He doesn't want us to hear that he is alive bodily. There will be those who say, well, he didn't really die. He just swooned. <laughs> and then he woke up. I mean, that, that's even miraculous when you think about what his body must have looked like after the torture that he went through. But he was dead. The Bible says he was dead and they buried him. And on the third day, he came victorious out of the grave. The problem is, is that lost people have no room for the miraculous in their life. And they can't see that Jesus is alive. And he is in the same body that he died. It wasn't a spirit body that came out of the grave. It was his body that came out of the grave and ascended into heaven. And one day, he's going to rapture us as the believers out of this world. And then, after seven years, he will come back riding upon a horse in power and great glory and will bring judgment upon the earth and reign on this earth again for a thousand years. And so Jesus is alive. And so, so this whole thing was to, to show these two guys why Jesus came and died. And so we go from there then into the right, to, to the realization, the disciples, they drew near to the village of Emmaus, and they, they still didn't know who Jesus was at this particular point. And so Jesus acted like he's just going to keep on going. He knows they're at, his, at their house. He knows where they're going. And, and, and so he was just going to keep right on walking. He wasn't going to force himself upon anybody. But good manners in the ancient Near East, they, they, they don't want to impose upon others. But these two men invited him over to their house. And no, 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 you come with this. You come, and, you come and eat with us before you travel on. 
And while they were at the table, guess who broke the bread and prayed? And it says that when he broke the bread, their eyes were open. That's another divine passive verb tense. In other words, God opened their eyes at that particular moment. So when their eyes were opened and they knew him, they recognized him, they realized this whole time that it was Jesus who was walking with them on the road, and just like that, he was gone. He vanished. Now, I really like verse 32. Verse 32 says, um, Did not our hearts burn within us? while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us? I, I would guess, yes, your heart would burn when Jesus opened the scriptures and talked to you about the word. These two disciples, they're like, ah, oh, that explains everything. Man, when he led us in that seven-mile Sunday school lesson, my heart was burning inside of me. And they're not talking about heartburn when, when you've eaten too many Easter eggs, too much candy. They're not talking about that at all. They're talking about that feeling when you are in the presence of the resurrected God himself and your very heart seems to catch on fire, that Easter fire that comes because we finally recognize that Jesus, he's alive. He has risen. It's the best way to describe what happens when you are in the very presence of God and your heart is set on fire. Your heart burns within in joy and satisfaction in the fullness of God. So they realize it's Jesus, and then, and then he's just gone. <laughs> I mean, I, when they realized it was Jesus, I imagine instantly they had a thousand questions for him. Uh, where'd he go? <laughs> I, was, I, I was just ready to ask him a question. And he's gone, and so they both, they're both so excited that it said that very hour, right away, they got up from their table and they hightailed it back the seven miles to Jerusalem so they could be with the other disciples, so they could pass along the encouragement, so they could talk about Jesus when they knew Jesus and they understand who Jesus was and what, what Jesus has done for us on the cross. They didn't want to just sit around someplace. They wanted to be with other disciples. They didn't want to be alone. They didn't want to isolate themselves. We got we to gotta get back to Jerusalem. We got to hang out with the other guys. And so they take off back. Now again, why is this story in the Bible? Well, because it happened. <laughs> That's one reason. But our question is, why did it happen? What in the world is going on with the Lord's restraining their eyes so they couldn't recognize him? What does this teach us today? Well, let me just suggest that it teaches at least two things about our relationship with Jesus. Number one, to see him is to know him. To see him is to know him. Jesus rebuked these two disciples back in verse 25. You remember that? 
Why did Jesus rebuke them? Well, verse 25, he says to them here, O foolish one and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus rebuked the two disciples for their failure to know and believe the word. They had the word. They had the, Bi they had the Old Testament. That was their Bible. And we have the Bible. And yet so many times people say, well, I didn't know that was in there. I didn't know that's what that was all about. And so Jesus rebuked them because they did not believe the word. And so when he opened up the word to their understanding, think of it. He is showing them that their outward inability to see the Lord mirrors their inward inability to know and believe his holy word. Their outward inability to see the Lord mirrored their inward inability to know and believe the word. Put another way, their inability to see, to see Jesus revealed in the flesh mirrors their inability to see Jesus revealed in the word. To see him is to know his word. See, Jesus is going to be leaving them soon. He is going to be ascending to be at the right hand of the Father. In fact, 40 days after his resurrection, he ascended. This year, that is May 28th, I believe, is Ascension Day. Um, if you do any shopping in Holmes County, around any Amish or Mennonite-owned places, uh, they will be closed <laughs> because that is Ascension Day. Uh, we, don't, we don't do anything on Ascension Day. And, and so, so he is going to be leaving them very soon. And so he has been with them physically now for three and a half years of earthly ministry, living, dying, rising from the dead. And then he will ascend into heaven where he will remain until he comes again. And so until that time, until he comes again physically, how will believers see and know him? To see him is to know his word. You see, Jesus is helping us understand what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, that we walk by faith and not by sight. We have God's word, which is alive and powerful, according to Acts 4.12, living and active to guide us as we walk along our own Emmaus road every day of our life. To see him is to know his word. Jesus says in, in John 5.39, search the scriptures. For these are they which testify of me, which testify of Jesus Christ. You want to see Jesus? Then read his word. Ask God to illuminate the word. Pray and say, God, open your word to me and open me to your word. I want to know you. And as you read the word and you really focus on the word, it begins to burn in your heart. As you learn the scriptures, to see him is to know his words. Years ago, there was an old country preacher who used to talk about seeing the Lord. And he was just a country, country preacher, and his, his grammar wasn't, wasn't so good. And, and so he was saying in his messages over and over again, I seen this and I seen that. And, and there was this 
kind of a snooty person who set out to correct the pastor one day, and he said to him, you ought to be like that pastor so-and-so who says correctly, I have seen. And that whole country preacher, he thought for a while, and, and he knew that preacher so-and-so, and he he also knew he was one of those pastors who had a dead orthodoxy and didn't even believe in the resurrection. And that country preacher said to him then, he said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, I'd rather say I seen when I have seen something than to say I have seen when I ain't seen nothing. <laughs> and I like that. I've seen the Lord. Have you seen him? To see him is to know his word. Do you read the word? If you read the word, his words will burn in your heart. People all the time are like, man, I, I, I believe in God. If it, I would believe in God if he just appeared to me. If he just do something miraculous for me. Well, he did appear. He came to us 2,000 years ago, and he took on flesh, and he lived for 33 years, fulfilled the law that we broke, died on the cross, taking the punishment that we deserve for our sin, absorbing all of the wrath of God as he died to keep us from hell, and he rose from the dead as the Father's stamp of approval upon the sufficiency of Christ's atonement for our sin. He arose. He appeared alive from the dead. It's an historical fact. And after 40 days, he ascended up to the right hand of the Father where he reigns right now. He did appear. Unlike every other major religion, God appeared to us by coming down to us. Every other major religion is about man's attempt to get to God work our way up to God, or even earn God's favor. Judaism and Islam and Buddhism are all about trying to get to God. Christianity is God coming down to us, God tabernacling with us, God taking on the flesh, the form of a man appeared to us, living and dying and rising for us. He did appear. So to see him today is to know and believe his word. You want to see Jesus? Then read the word. When life is driving you nuts and you're needing God to just open up the heavens and make his presence known to you to encourage you, open up the book. Quit focusing upon your problems and, 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 and your issues and, and, and poor me and all of that and open the book and read it. You want to see Jesus? To see him is to know his word. The disciples, they marveled. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us? You see, we were created by God, so it makes sense that our hearts burn brightest when set on fire by the Lord himself. Too often we try to set our hearts on fire in our own way. Rather than opening the word, we open a bottle. 
Rather than getting into the word, we get into a relationship. Rather than looking at the word, we look at the screens and the phones and the tablets. We try to ignite our hearts in ways that avoid the Lord. Earthly substitutes for divine fire. And often we do, we do it in ways that we know are wrong. We know we shouldn't be doing this. Going the sin route in the hopes that we'll fill some kind of a spark in our hearts. Like cheap lighter fluid in a, in a match. We are trying to mimic the fire of God burning in our hearts. But listen, there is no way to mimic. You were designed to love the Lord with that heart of yours. And God made you for a relationship with him. Don't settle for cheap substitutes. To see him is to know his word. Read the Bible. Take time this coming week and just begin to read. Start, start in the New Testament if you like. Read Matthew 1 tomorrow. And on Tuesday, read Matthew 2. And on Wednesday, read Matthew 3. And just continue on. And if you're, if you're not a good reader, get, get a program online that reads it to you. Go to, go to BibleGateway.com and, and you can click on the translation. Uh, King James reads it. Uh, there's a couple others that read it. But just click on it and let it read the chapter for you and sit there and follow along as it reads it. There's no excuse for not being in the Word every day of your life. And God will honor your efforts and your heart will eventually begin to burn with the white-hot Easter fire of the presence of God. Now, if that's true, and it is, to know him is to know his word, then the second truth comes like this. If we lose sight of him, he's still there. If we lose sight of him, he's still there. This is important. Our our. Our not being able to see him does not mean that he isn't still there walking along with us. He is the one who said in Matthew 28, 20, I am with you even to the end of the age. And, and I will never leave you nor forsake you, Hebrews 3, 13, 15. I will, I, I, I will never abandon you. I'm there. And so the two disciples, they didn't recognize him on the Emmaus Road. They didn't see him. They were, they were mystified by everything that was going on. They were upset because they expected Jesus to do this in their life and to do that in their life. And he didn't come to, to do exactly what they want. He came for a purpose, and that was to die for our sins so that we could have a personal relationship with him and we grow in our walk with him. Jesus was there with them every step of the journey. And yet they were sad because their eyes weren't open. And when they were confronted and they couldn't, couldn't make sense of God's will, when, they, when they, they were foolish and slow of heart to believe, the written word, the living word, was no less present in their life. It's like that time in the book of Genesis when Jacob 
slept and he dreamed of the ladder and the angels that were going up and coming down and the Lord was saying to him I am with you and Jacob woke up from his sleep and he said surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it we may lose sight of him but he's still there and when we can't, we can't make sense of, of God's will or his plan for our life or what is going on in our life, and when, when things don't turn out the way that we had hoped that they would turn out, when, when, when all of this gets overwhelming in our life, like the two disciples, we walk along and we're sad. But Jesus is still there. Our doubts and discouragements are times we are most vulnerable to stop reading the Word, to turn away from the Lord. But those are especially the times that we need to dig in and read because we serve a living Savior who's in the world today. He walks with us and talks with us along life's narrow way. He's still there. And this is why the church is so important in our lives. The church gathers here together in a big group to worship like this, and we gather together in smaller groups to worship, center our focus upon the truths of God's word. And so these two disciples, they were encouraged when they, when, when they share with one another the word of God. That's what we do in, a, in, in, in the church. Whether we gather to study and sing the truth on this resurrected, resurrection Sunday together in a big group like this, or whether during this coming week we are together with one or two other people and we worship Christ then. Sometimes we expect to see Jesus only in the extraordinary events, a powerful worship server and a service, an awesome, an awesome time, a public revival, a miraculous occurrence of, of some kind or another, but Jesus is with us in the ordinary times of life. Jesus appeared to these two men while they were just walking along the road. And I wonder whether Jesus may be right there with us in the ordinary things of life, but we have lost sight of him because of doubts and discouragement in our own life, engulfed in the seemingly meaningless activities of our workaday world. Jesus is with you in the ordinary of your daily commute to work. He's with you in the ordinary of your walk in the supermarket. Jesus is with you in the ordinary of your doing laundry and feeling like no one appreciates you separating the whites from the darks. I don't know what you do with the laundry. <laughs> He's there. I can't think of anything more ordinary than that. I don't do that. I see the line back it, I dump it in. <laughs> I pour in about a half a jug of soap and I turn it on and let it do its thing, you know. He's there. Do you realize that? 
Do you talk with him? He's right there with you. He is always there right now working in this place. Christians, stop trying to set your own heart on fire through sinful substitutes. Repent and turn to the Lord, feasting upon his word in the coming days. Get, get connected deeply to the church. Get connected with other disciples, sharing with one another, and then gathering together with the entire group as they run back to Jerusalem that first Easter Sunday. May God grant us the wisdom to do the same thing, gathering together weekly with God's people. If you're not a Christian this morning, listen. To see him is to know his word. The written word points to the living word, Jesus Christ. God loves you. He has made a way for you to be forgiven from sin and to be reconciled to him through faith in Jesus Christ. Just pray God grant you the grace of open eyes to see Jesus clearly. And that's a prayer I believe with all of my heart that God will honor. Pray God open my eyes that I may see Jesus and then follow him. Let's pray.